Hi, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Our Right Stories, a podcast created and developed by the Just Right Scotland team with your host, Natalia. This episode is part one featuring our Scottish Just Law Center, or SJLC for short, which is just one of our four law centers. Our SJLC team includes Barbara Bolton, our legal director and partner, Ronan Duff, our solicitor, and Maisie Wilson, our legal caseworker. The team tells us what the Scottish Just Law Center is, a bit about each of their roles, and some of the complexities around Scots law and the work that they do. Let's jump right in. Barbara, you joined Just Right Scotland as a legal partner and director last December, and you were responsible for our Scottish Just Law Center. Could you tell us a little bit more about your role and what the center does? Yeah, definitely. So within uh, Just Right Scotland, which is a charity, we have four law centers and Scottish Just Law Centre is one of those four. And along with all the other centres, we do both casework and policy work. And so that's one of the things that's quite unusual about Just Right Scotland, um, because most legal practices, they wouldn't do that wider policy work along with their client casework. So most of the time, I would say, for myself, Ronan and Maisie, is spent on that casework where we have clients and they have specific uh, human rights or equalities issues that they're dealing with and we're trying to assist them to get a remedy for those breaches using the available legal tools and usually involving raising a case in court. But what we want to do in our centre is really focus on what you might have heard people talk about as being strategic litigation it's also known as public interest litigation. And what it really is, is it's taking those court cases, but picking the ones that will have a wider impact on society. So not only will they benefit the individuals or the group of individuals you're acting for, but the issue that's being challenged or the the law or the practice that's being challenged is something that would affect a lot of people. And it's something that um, raises a systemic issue or something that's built into the system. So if you have a law that is in breach of human rights, but that law requires public bodies to be acting in a certain way, that would mean that they were breaching the rights of many people day in and day out. And the best way of tackling that, if if you haven't been able to persuade the government to change it, um, is through a strategic case to address that issue so that that is changed um, to the benefit of those whole groups of people. So a really good example of that is a recent case that was taken through the Just Law Centre where we had a number of clients in one of our other centres for refugees and migrants Um, and they were young people who had lived in Scotland for many years and had done really well with their, their high school exams and were eligible in terms of their academic uh, credentials to go on to university and study things like medicine. And in Scotland, we still have free college and university education, unlike in some other parts of the United Kingdom. However, there are these strict rules around residence. And so for people who haven't lived in Scotland for all of their lives, They have to demonstrate they've been here for a set number of years before they can be eligible for that free education. And we had clients who 
we're just a number of days shy of those limits and we're basically facing a situation where they wouldn't be able to go to university regardless of their amazing uh, um, higher results and so on. And the fees for a university degree for an international student, which is what they would be treated as, are really, really high. So basically looking at not being able to study. Um, We challenged that rule in Scotland's highest civil court, the Court of Session, and the judge agreed that the rule breached human rights, the right to education combined with uh, non-discrimination. And so as a result, the Scottish government have had to go away and look at those rules and come up with a new set of rules that will mean that many more people will be able to access free university and college education. So that's a really great example of public interest or strategic litigation. And those are the types of cases that this centre tries to focus on. There's only three of us, <laughs> so we can only have so many cases at a time. Um, and I think what GRS has decided is that the the way that we can have the biggest impact with the smallest resource is by being really strict with ourselves in terms of the cases we take on, trying to find those cases that will allow us to challenge a, a law or a practice that will change things for the better for many people. So on the policy side, um, the policy work that we do alongside our casework, we really try to use the learning from our casework um, to, to do that policy work, which is basically engaging with the Scottish Government, Scottish Parliament, MSPs, also at a UK level, um, to try to drive wider legal change, to embed human rights into Scots law, to change things so that people can secure a remedy for breach and so on. And sometimes that policy work will relate to a specific case. So for example, in that education case I mentioned, we did a lot of uh, comms work as well as policy work around the decision to draw attention to it and liaised with the Scottish Government to really encourage them to take this opportunity to improve the rules as much as possible. And and that's exactly what's happening now. And then we also do wider policy work where we campaign on broader changes. For example, in relation to access to justice, which is um, very relevant to the work we do. Another example is the consultation the Scottish Government's just launched on a Scottish Human Rights Bill which would bring a number of human rights into Scots law that we've never had in Scots law before. So it's a really pivotal moment for Scotland. And those are two of the big sort of policy areas we'll be working on. Quick question before we go on to the next one. When you say Scots law, can you kind of describe what that means for somebody that doesn't necessarily... I don't know, live in Scotland or, or have that kind of basis of like... Oof, yeah, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Unexpected question. <laughs> Um, I suppose the first thing to say is that, I mean, Scotland has always had a completely separate legal system from England and Wales. And that goes back to the fact that, you know, prior to 1707, Scotland was a separate country and had already developed, um, but, you know, universities and courts and had a full legal system. Um, And those were 
that was reflected in the Acts of Union, that, that that would remain separate and that would be protected along with things like the, the Church of Scotland. Um, but obviously uh, we've now been in a union for many, many years and there's a lot of legislation that comes from the UK Parliament um, and that covers Scotland as well as England and Wales and in some cases Northern Ireland. So you can hear reference to UK law and in some cases that is accurate, that it is actually UK law. Um, but for a lot of areas, there is separate law for Scotland. And since devolution, um, that has all been sort of regulated through the Scotland Act. So some laws, uh, some areas rather, of policy and law are reserved to the UK government and some areas of policy and law are devolved to the Scottish government in similar situation for Wales and for Northern Ireland. Um, and so most of the sort of day-to-day -day life areas of policy and law are devolved. And, um, and the way the Scotland Act works is if it's not explicitly reserved, then it's devolved. So it's kind of a, you know, your default is devolved yeah. unless there's a specific reservation. Um, and so much of, of law since devolution has come from the Scottish Parliament. Um, but there are still some areas where we do have UK level legislation and that includes in devolved areas. So it's complicated. Um, and the, the devolved structure means that really everything you do um, as a lawyer in this area where you're working on human rights and equalities and trying to improve things is complicated by devolution because you have to constantly be going back to what's reserved, what's devolved um, and then it's, there are additional layers of complexity as I said because even if it's devolved, maybe it's UK legislation, even if it's devolved, perhaps the UK government will prevent a new Scottish Parliament bill from turning into law. Um, and then, of course, there are all the complexities around where is the line around devolved and reserved. And that's where you see a lot of cases going to the Supreme Court for the court to look at that in real detail and decide where is that line. And it's it's not always, sometimes very unclear. Um, and there have been some recent cases on that. Well, I appreciate you taking a very complex <laughs> <laughs> topic. And I mean, the way you explain it, I mean, to me, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, good. Yeah, no, so very helpful. Thank you so much. But uh, going back a little bit, um, could you describe how does the, uh, the SJLC or the Scottish Just Law Center work? Yes, so I would say... I mean, this is basically quite a new team. You know, as you said, um, I took on a partner role uh, from the end of December and joined GRS from, I think, end of October. Um, and Ronan has only just joined us. So it's just been Maisie and myself for a number of months. And so I've, I suppose I've taken that first period of time to kind of assess what we've got you know, what has the centre done so far? How has it approached things? What's been working well? What maybe might we think about changing? Because I think that's always healthy um, to approach things in that way. And the original intention of the centre was that it would focus on 
um, these strategic public interest cases. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, because of the types of cases we focus on, and they are really unusual, sort of novel um, and complex, they involve, they tend to involve a lot of research, a lot of sort of strategic thinking, and a real sort of in-depth back and forth with the clients to to get the background information and really find out what's happened. And that all takes time. So there are only a certain number of cases we can have at any one time. And I mentioned earlier the need for us to be really strict with ourselves about the cases we take on. And that's really hard because um, we all have this instinct that if something comes into our inbox and it's, you know, not a good situation, we want to do something to help. But we have to always come back to what's our strategic priorities here? What's the centre set up to do? And so what we're looking to do is increasingly move towards and tighten up on what I would call a second tier referral process. So what that would mean is that rather than have things like um, an open helpline where you would be giving advice to individuals on the circumstances they're in. Now that's very, very valuable and that we have that in, a, in our other centres and some of our other centres. But to run something like that would take a lot of capacity from this very small team and wouldn't necessarily be the best way for us to find those strategic cases. Another way of doing it, and, and I think probably the better way of doing it, is for us to build key relationships with the excellent organisations that Scotland has that are focused on particular areas that represent particular groups of people um, and that have a real specialism in in those areas and in those in those people's lives and their real life experiences and are able to tell us what's going on and what the priorities are. And through those relationships, I think we'll be able to find the best ways we can assist them so we might be able to do, aside from casework, we might be able to support them with general legal information, for example. So they would be better placed to assist the people that are uh, that their organisation represents or the people they work with day to day. But also through discussions with them about the issues they're seeing, um, identify those those cases that that might succeed in uh, challenging or clarifying or drawing attention to some problem in in law or policy or practice that where we could raise that public interest court action. So that's what we are in the process of developing and tightening up on. So one thing I should mention is that the centre focuses on legally aided cases. so individuals who can access legal aid support, which would pay uh, very small amounts of money uh, for the the actual work that we do, um, but very importantly, fund us instructing an advocate, which is critical in a lot of cases where, firstly, you need really detailed, thorough legal analysis of a particular point, because these are, again, novel situations we're dealing with complex where we don't necessarily have the time to really delve into in in that way um and also oftentimes you need that advocate's opinion to get legal aid to raise a court action but then if the case is in the court of session 
you have to instruct an advocate and you need legal aid to do that. So um, the way our funding works, we can do a bit of what we would call pro bono work, which is basically free. But because of these other barriers to um, accessing justice, that can only get somebody so far. Because if we might be able to act for free, but that doesn't mean that the advocate would be able to act for free. They would still have to pay, pay court fees. And if they lost their case, they might still be hit with a requirement to pay the other side's fees, uh, which could be considerable. So generally, we work f for clients where they're able to access legal aid. And not everyone can. And unfortunately, um, there are many people who sit in that kind of in-between where they've got just too much either income or capital and so they don't qualify, but there's no way that they could afford a case or, importantly, the risk of that finding against them of having to pay the other side's expenses. Um, in terms of us only being able to do a very small number of cases, I wanted to mention that that means we do a lot of signposting and Maisie does a lot of this, which she might cover later. Um, but that's it's so important in and of itself because there's so little information available for people in Scotland about their rights, but also about how do they go about getting a remedy for a breach of their rights. And so although we have to, in many cases, say, unfortunately, we're not able to assist ourselves here we do our very best to point people in the direction of where they might be able to get some support um, and so signposting is a really important part of what we do that's amazing thank you so much barbara for that um, no, no problem. information um macy how long have you been working at just right scotland and in particular at, at the scottish just law center uh, I started at Just Right Scotland in January 2022 um, and I've always been within the Scottish Just Law Centre. There was a period of transition within the Scottish Just Law Centre um, so over last summer that saw me work with um, the Scottish Refugee and Migrant Centre and the Scottish Anti-Trafficking and Exploitation Centre uh, which was a pretty invaluable experience actually because I'd never really done that much about immigration rights etc. But still within the, I was still based within the Scottish Just Law Centre, but it was much quieter due to the kind of period of transition we were having. Um, and I've also had the opportunity to work within the Ukraine Advice Scotland service as well, because um, with the outbreak of the uh, illegal invasion of Ukraine back in March of 2022, um, members of Just Right Scotland set up the Ukraine Advice Scotland service, which is UAS. Um, and I kind of worked within that as well and kind of sometimes still dabble within that. But always been based within the Scottish Just Law Centre. <laughs> Amazing. Um, you are the legal caseworker at the Scottish Just Law Centre. Could you describe your role and what you do within the centre? Yeah, um, so part of it's in the job title of caseworker. A lot of it is casework. Um, and this includes uh, client liaison and correspondence, setting up meetings and attending meetings with clients along with Barbara and Ronan, um, keeping files up to date, uh, research on the cases that we have, um, and just kind of general casework tasks, including um, legal aid applications and invoices and things like that. But due to the nature of the Scottish Just Law Centre, there's also a lot of policy work involved, um, so that can see me helping draft consultation responses or parliamentary briefings, um, as well as 
uh, attending and giving outreach sessions with other um, caseworkers. For example, we did quite a few on access to education after that case. Um, but again, due to the kind of specific and individual nature of the Scottish Just Law Centre, um, it's also, I've had the opportunities to um, attend Parliament when other members have been giving evidence. And I also got to meet the United Nations Special Rapporteur earlier this year as well. So it's really very far-reaching role. What is, sorry, what is a rapporteur? Um, they are kind of specialists within a certain subject and they are given roles that they have to monitor how different countries are doing. For example, this was the Special Rapporteur on Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity and he was taking a trip to the United Kingdom um, and he goes to all different areas within the United Kingdom and meets kind of key players and government members um, throughout every nation within the United Kingdom and then will produce a report uh, about how the, that country is doing on that area that they look into. That's really cool. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Ronan, as our newest member of Just Race Scotland and the team at the Scottish Just Law Centre, why did you decide to apply for the role of solicitor? So yeah, um, I suppose my background um, in human rights initially was academic, but I'd already had a long-standing interest throughout university. Um, I'd had varying opportunities to engage with it um, on an academic level um, during my studies, um, but the first chance that I had an opportunity to interact with it on a practical level was my internship with the with Just Right. Um, in which I assisted as an intern for one day a week at the Scottish Refugee and Migrant Centre. Um, so that was perhaps kind of three or four years ago. Um, I had first heard about the opportunity um, to work again with Just Right um, through uh, the ad- job advertisement. Um, now, at my time with Just Right, the Scottish Just Law Centre um, wasn't, or rather hadn't been formed yet. Um, so I was quite interested to see what exactly the new team would be taking on and I was really enthused that it was public interest litigation um, because that was something that I had kind of interacted with on again on an academic level through my studies um, but again as Barbara's covered is something that can create great change not only for the individuals whose cases are being brought to court um, but also for the groups of people um, that this or rather the, the wider impact to those uh, groups of people that can be brought with such cases. Um, and again, for me, it's fascinating and um, interesting kind of in theory, but to be able to put it in practice and to make that manifest change and material change for, for individuals across Scotland, I think is a fantastic opportunity. So it was a no-brainer to me. I just leapt at it. That's amazing. And I mean, like you said earlier, you were here an intern years ago before Scottish Just Law Centre was even a thing. Um, so what kind of brought you back, I guess, brought you back to JRS? Yeah, I, su- I suppose they couldn't get rid of me. But yes, um, <laughs> I, I, so I had essentially um, volunteered um, and so I had volunteered as an intern um, and then following that during the COVID-19 pandemic in lockdown I'd also volunteered um, to assist again um, I suppose what brought me back was I just I really it was the the quality of the internship that I had gotten um, I mean firstly I believe in what Just Right is doing um, each of the teams um, fills a really necessary function um, within civil society and within Scottish society um, and my time within that internship, I was really enthused by the level of engagement that I was allowed as an intern. Um, 
typically when you think of an internship, perhaps you're thinking of the post run and doing the printing. And that was, again, those were tasks that I was doing, but I was also able to engage, or rather to be involved with um, preparing bundles um, of evidence for a tribunal. Um, I was engaged in um, significant and in-depth research into um, um, factual evidence and um, kind of contentious legal points, um, as well as being able to interact one-on-one with the solicitors and caseworkers that were were doing that great work um, and being able to see how they operated and um, what drove them and the kind of impact um, that they were able to make um, through their work firsthand, which again, just um, I found really, really encouraging and really enthusing and that's what drew me back. Thanks again for joining us on part one. Make sure to tune in next week to learn more about the campaigns that the SJLC work on, the collaborative spaces they are a part of, and why they are a central part in our continued fight for creating a more just and fairer Scotland. If you want to find out more about the SJLC and the work that they do, please go to our website. The link will be in the show notes and also make sure to double check our socials. Like always, listeners, don't forget to like, comment, and share this podcast. This podcast is available on most podcasting platforms, so don't forget to hit subscribe to get alerts of when the newest episodes drop. And we'll catch you next time.